0: Keep This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore, and we get together about twice a week to chew on God's Word and offer uh, the things that we're being encouraged and challenged by to you, listener, so that hopefully you may be encouraged and challenged. Uh, this week we've got Sean Duncan with us. Hello, Sean.
1: Back at it again. Ah, uh, back at it again with the white vans. Yeah, and I demanded, Chris, I will not come into your office until you figure out that heat. And boy, oh boy, <laughs> did you figure it out today? I am sweating in here. I did.
0: It's it's a warm day in the uh, the hall of Chris, <laughs> my small office. My, my office and Brett's office has like super heating and super cooling. It's amazing. Everyone else kind of gets the the yeah. short end <laughs> the stick.
1: With, in my office, if it's cold outside, it's cold in my office. If it's warm outside, it's warm in my office. So. <laughs> you
0: just have no. no I just dress according or, to the weather. Yeah, <laughs>
1: How I roll. So, Sean, besides
0: um, lavishing the warmth of my office, what are you chewing on? What are you bringing to us today?
1: Uh, all right, so I have something mulling around in my head uh, because of Bible project. So, reading through the Bible in a year. We're, in real time, we were like finishing up the Book of Kings, First and Second Kings. So that was fun, but right before that, we read First and Second Samuel, mm-hmm. and First and Second Samuel is a wild adventure of the rise and fall of King Saul and the rise and the fall of King David. Um, so we see the best parts and, unfortunately, the worst parts of yeah. David. But but in that, there's there's some really interesting stories that. Um, are usually really perplexing for um, people who are either reading the Bible for the first time all the way through, or are reading with a critical eye for the first time all the way through. So I'm bringing, actually today, this is the, one of the only times I've ever had stuff written up. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I know. So This is serious. Um, every now and then, people will email me questions for, that are in the Bible Project class, mm-hmm. and it is my joy and my pleasure to answer those questions. So dear yeah. listener, I bet Chris has an email address. I do. And if you ever sent Chris a question like, and challenged me to answer it, but I would just sit and answer it. I don't know if we actually uh, want to open up that, <laughs> that can of worms. <laughs> Consider it opened. <laughs> it at least exists in Bible projects. So people sometimes just will, will send me random questions. And sometimes they're just like really simple application questions. Other times it's really hard interpretation questions. So this was one of those times. So I'm going to read the verse, okay. uh, explain the situation, read the verse, and then I'll read the question. That got sent to me, and I'm gonna guess other people have that question. Yeah. So the situation we're picking it up in in First Samuel chapter sixteen. So at this point, Saul had been king, but Saul did some no nos that he was told not to do by God. <laughs> so God is stripping the kingdom out of his hand, and at this point, God uh, through the prophet Samuel has anointed little shepherd boy David to be the next and new king. So that happens in in First Samuel fifteen. So David is the anointed king by God's spirit at this point. However, Saul is still the one who sits on the throne mm-hmm. right after this story. Chapter 16, uh, uh, we will have the story of David and Goliath, mm-hmm. but in chapter 16, um, you have the true anointed King David, and then the one who is still the reigning King Saul and they meet for the first time. And it's all kind of folding. You're like, Oh, there's so much tension. Yeah. It's kind of be like, it'd be like, your I don't know, like your 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 girlfriend meets your ex-girlfriend or something. You're like, yeah. oh this is so <laughs> oh, no. awkward. It's like one of those stories. Yeah. Just like, oh, this is gonna- Everyone yeah. finds something to do. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So that is that's where we're picking up in, in the story. So in chapter 16, David had just gotten anointed as king. Okay. Now we turn scenes and verse 14, it says, Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him Mm. and Saul's servants said to him behold now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you the story goes on so then you know the way they solve it is actually they, they say you know what you need you need a personal concert and we know this guy he's a Bethlehemite His name is David. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He he plays the flute and the lyre. And they call David in, who's like the actual real king. And David comes and he ends up serving Saul Mm -hmm. uh, as like his first act of the true anointed king. Wow. And he's serving the old king and Mm -hmm. he's playing worship music and he, he, it's sparing Saul of the torment. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool story. A lot we could say about it. Anyways. Um, some translations, rather than translating it as a harmful spirit, translate it as an evil spirit, mm-hmm. which the Hebrew word can get translated either way. Um, ra or ra'ah could, could refer to um, either um, something that's bad or even something that's like morally evil. So mm-hmm. it has a pretty wide semantic range, but it's generally uh, something that is not good. Yeah, yeah. not good. <laughs> okay. So, so someone emailed me about this specific text. And it says, "For their question was, first Samuel 16, 14 seems to say God has control of and uses evil spirits. Does he send evil into people or into the world? That's the question. It's a great question. That's a great question. Yeah, yeah. It is a great question, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a very practical question, right? Yeah. It, it, it impacts how we see the world, how we view God. Um, how we interact with the world around us. So it really does have lots of implications, but probably something that we don't often think about. Yeah. So I thought I would just share how I answered that question and then we can pause after each little section. because I think I have three three sections of my response mm-hmm. and we could talk after each section. Great. Okay. That sounds awesome. All right. Here is the first thing that I, I said in this response. <clears throat> um, first, God has complete control over evil spirits. Mm-hmm. Out of the gate, that's the first thing to say. God has complete control over evil spirits. God is sovereign, which means he has all authority over all things. And God is also omnipotent, big word, simple meaning, which means God has all power to do anything he so desires. Mm -hmm. God is also infinite, meaning he is without end and he is measureless in all that he is. This applies to his nature and to his being and also his attributes like his sovereignty and his omnipotence. In other words, both God's sovereignty and his omnipotence are infinite, mm-hmm. endless, measureless. Therefore, there is absolutely no thing and no one who can exist or operate outside of God's control. Great. Back in so far? Yep. Okay, so... uh you just heard now like regurgitate mm-hmm. in like simple language.
0: Yeah. God is the King of all things in this world. So if we said this was his kingdom, he's the ruling King, which means he oversees and nothing happens inside of this kingdom that doesn't happen outside of his reign. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm the first way I'm, I'm just kind of got to break down mm-hmm. my answer a little bit. The first way I'm answering this is I'm actually okay. using, uh, Logical theology. Mm -hmm. So because we believe that God is a logical and rational God um, who's understandable and we can discern his ways through observing both um, nature, uh, God's revelation through nature, but then also God's revelation through scripture. Um, So we can also discern things about him through logic. So I logically deduce this conclusion that God, well, because God is infinite Mm -hmm. and because he is sovereign and because he is omnipotent that means that no thing and no one can operate mm-hmm. outside of God's control and power. Therefore evil spirits can only operate under and in God's control and power. Yeah. So that's or at least That's giving me like a starting framework. Right? Yep. So here's the next, next bit to the, the answer. God uses evil spirits. God in his infinite omnipotence and sovereign will gets exactly what he wants according to his good pleasure. Evil humans and evil spirits cannot thwart, stop, redirect, or diminish God's perfect and good plan from taking place for his glory and the good of his people. God providentially accomplishes his purposes by working with and through his creation. This is called the providence of concurrence. Just as God uses evil people and their evil intentions for his own good purposes, like in Genesis chapter 50 Mm -hmm. with Joseph and his brothers, or with the the people of Israel and Judah in crucifying Jesus. Yep. He also, God also uses evil spirits and their evil intentions for his own good purposes. The evil spirit, as with the evil person, is an instrument of action played by two wills, the evil spirit or person and the good God. It seems clear that God does not diminish or hijack the will of the other being yet he gets exactly what he wants. So as to preserve both the accountability of the being and the divine decree of God. Mm -hmm. So the evil person or the evil spirit really is intending evil. Right. And yet God is 20 bajillion steps ahead Mm -hmm. where he can rewrite their intentions for good outcomes. Mm -hmm. So, so there is these thick two wills at play. All right. So I just said a lot of words. Now you digest, chew, regurgitate. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. Very simple, Sean.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, so the simple (laughs) statement was God
1: uses evil spirits.
0: Yeah. Yeah. God uses evil spirits. He, he, um, uh, is the the guide and he knows how this is going to end and God can't be thwarted. Mm-hmm. His plan can be thwarted. So he's using all these little pieces in ways that are more complex than we could ever, ever comprehend mm-hmm. so that it ends exactly how he intended to end in every little instance along the
1: way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Sometimes the metaphor is like, like the brilliant chess player who's just 10 steps ahead. Like he, the uh, the opponent is still making their moves mm-hmm. but it's like you're making the exact moves that i am allowing you to make right so that i win mm-hmm. so uh what's that show uh the queen's gambit i haven't seen it's it it's like a whole netflix show about people playing chess and it's <laughs> it's exhilarating <laughs> how did they do it how did netflix do it yeah anyways if you want some exhilarating chess watching um but that's kind of like the, the idea here so so these first two parts of the answer, God has complete control over everything, including evil spirits. So mm-hmm. no there is no such thing as a molecule or an evil spirit that is operating outside of God's control and authority. Yeah, maverick molecule is yeah. called. Uh, so not not only is there n- no rogue entity or molecule or atom in the universe, um, God is also accomplishing his purposes through everything in the universe. Mm-hmm. So it's not like things are purposeless that are operating. All right. So those are the first two parts of the, my answer. Here's part number three. Um, my third part of the answer is God sends evil spirits to people and into the world, <clears throat> such as second Kings 22 verses 13 through 28, Job chapter one and two, and even here in first Samuel 16 verse 14. However, there are some conditions or some considerations to this statement. First, although God does send evil spirits to people and into the world, that is not to say that God sends all evil to people and into the world. The Bible is not that explicit, and it is our job to put the pieces together. It is a question this is a question of meticulous providence. Mm -hmm. Is God the mover of all things, both from our thoughts to the smallest molecules in creation or do all things in creation move under the sovereignty and power of god so the first example would be meticulous providence nothing happens apart from god's sovereign omnipotence that much is for sure like everyone agrees with a biblical worldview agrees on that point mm-hmm. Um, so nothing happens apart from God's sovereignty, uh, sovereign omnipotence, that much is for sure. But what we mean by send is informed by how we answer the question above. Uh, so I'll leave the listeners and even you for that decision. However, we do know of explicit examples where God does say go to mm-hmm. the evil spirit, such as Job, uh, that 1 Kings 22 example, and even here in, in 1 Samuel. So, the second consideration, although we can speak of God as sending evil, we can never, biblically speaking, speak of God as the author of evil. Right. So, there are two primary kinds of evil. Uh, fun fact, this is a side thing. I didn't write this. Um, this is, we're doing the study of ponderology right now, which is the study of evil. Oh. Yeah. And it comes from the Greek word panera, which <gasps> means evil. I love their pastries. And therefore... <laughs> carbs are evil <laughs> <laughs> stick to protein we got him <laughs> I'm just one of my favorite jokes okay anyways so there are two kinds of evil there's primary evil and then there's secondary evil primary evil is the essence of sin in the world primary evil however is no thing it's not a thing hmm. it's the absence of a thing uh-huh so, it is the privation or lack of good. Just as the whole of a bagel is the absence of the bagel, so evil is the absence of good and is thereby no thing, mm-hmm. not a thing. God in himself cannot lack, but creation and humanity are capable of lack, hence the potential of sin. Mm-hmm. So, God's not, it's not possible for God to lack good. Right. God is good and he is fully good. So, only. His creation and his creatures, like us, have the capability of lacking good. Mm-hmm. So, um, authorship or origin of sin, uh, of evil and sin cannot originate in God only from his creation mm-hmm. or his creature, because we are the ones who are capable of lacking good. Yeah. Okay. So that's primary evil. Secondary evil is the effect of sin and the consequences of primary evil. This would be things like war, death, sickness estrangement conflict hostility violence etc are are these are all examples of secondary evil and all things that god is in complete control over and that he uses and sends at times in scripture for his good purposes but god is not the author of evil since he knows no lack of goodness being infinitely good so god manipulates uses controls um operates over and through the secondary evil, mm-hmm. the, the consequences of primary evil. Those are the things that he's weaving together for the good of those who love him type of thing. Yeah. Um, okay. I just said lots of words. My simple statement was God sends evil spirits to people and into the world. Mm-hmm. You regurgitate, reflect.
0: Yeah. So God never puts new evil into the world. He uses the existing evil because evil is the absence of good. God is incapable of absence, Mm -hmm. especially of goodness. Therefore he operates with, with the pieces on the table.
1: Yeah. Nice. Very Mm -hmm. good. Okay. So that was like my, all my theological answer. Mm -hmm. Here's my basic application. Okay. Although it may at first feel really unsettling to think that God is, is controlling all the evil in the world and in your own personal world. Wouldn't it be far more unsettling to think that the evil in the world is outside of God's control Mm-hmm. That would be scary. Yeah. To think that there is evil taking place in my life and in the lives of others, and in this cosmic universe, that God can do nothing
0: about—that
1: mm-hmm. is a terrifying thought. Controlled chaos is controlled, mm-hmm. but uncontrolled chaos is is uncontrollable, and that's a terrifying reality. So, um, we can take comfort. As Christians, we can take comfort and pleasure knowing that no evil takes place outside of God's purposes, both for his glory and for the good of his people. And we wait and pray, come Lord, Jesus come. Mm -hmm. We saw at the cross, the most horrific act of evil take place. uh, And it was by the hands of, of evil people. And yet it was according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God for the salvation of the world. And if God is able to use such a horrendous act of evil, uh, the death of a truly innocent man to, to bring life and abundance and flourishing to the rest of the world. Um, I can, I can trust that not only will the judge of the earth do what is right. I can also trust that the, the sufferings and the evils that I face, God must have something glorious in store both for me and his world through it yeah. because of the evidence I've seen.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah.
1: So a crazy uh, theological question that might come up when reading scripture, but actually a really good question to wrestle with, mm-hmm. to slow down with, to seek answers for, um, to try to understand all the theological nuance because it has a really practical application. Mm-hmm. I, I, can, I can rest really easy tonight knowing that, that, that no evil will, will will pass by my path apart from God's hand and God intends his glory and my good. hmm So I'll, I'll receive what he gives to me, even if it's hard and I can suffer well. Yep. Yep. I agree. That's
0: wonderfully encouraging news out of something that often is such a, uh, a a shake, you know, soul shaking concept sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the larger question of like, why do bad things happen if God is good? Yeah. it's Kind of what's being
1: addressed. So yeah. You want to go full, full round Robin and Bring it back to the text. Yes. Because I don't actually think that this text is about like just like evil spirits tormenting mm-hmm. Saul. Um, even though that was a really good question that we should address and answer. So in the text, um, the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and now this harmful spirit is tormenting Saul. That's mm-hmm. from the Lord. So it's it's almost like God has removed his uh his spirit that protects Saul, his anointed one, and and now he is He's open to like assault, mm-hmm. um, but then David is rescuing him from this torment. And who anointed David? Mm-hmm. God did. Like God, God sent them. So there's a, another text that actually it's mirroring this passage, but it's just two chapters away, and it says something very similar. It's 1 Samuel chapter eighteen, verse ten. In 1 Samuel chapter eighteen, verse ten says. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand and Saul hurled the spear for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Pretty crazy. (laughs) So um, that harmful spirit now, it's like, okay, here's the the revisiting of this harmful or bad or maybe even evil spirit uh, from God rushing upon Saul. And it says that he raved but it's the it's the Hebrew word, uh, it's the verb for prophesying. Hmm. So this evil spirit's coming upon, or this harmful spirit's coming on Saul, and he's he's raving or he's prophesying. And then he wants to kill David. It's like, what's going on? So as you march through 1st Samuel, what beca- what becomes clear as you get towards the end is that Saul is fully aware that he's no longer king, and David is. Hmm. And David or and Saul doesn't like that. Yeah, in fact, he doesn't like it so much that he just tries to kill David a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I should actually probably go there at the very end of Second Samuel. The way this this book ends, there's a really interesting verse in uh, this song that um, David sings, and I want to pull it up real quick. Yeah. Because it's it's kind of it's kind of like a little puzzle that I think helps helps navigate this. So in Second Samuel 22, it's like this last last little song of of David. In verse 27, he says, with the purified, you, being God, you deal purely. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. Hmm. So it's almost like one's posture towards God is how they then perceive God to be with them. Mm-hmm. Pure in heart, they, they perceive and they recognize God for being pure in how he deals with them. But then those who are crooked, God seems to them as one who's torturous. Saul's crooked. All throughout the story, Saul is crooked and his interactions with God, he sees God as being torturous. Mm-hmm. This this torturous spirit. Uh, I'm a, of the opinion that what, what Saul is realizing throughout it is that David is the true king and that is torturous to Saul. Yeah, So much so that he tries to kill David. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like the, the, the harm, the quote unquote harmful spirit for Saul is just recognizing the truth of the true King Mm -hmm. as torturous form. Yeah. There you go. Let him who has ears, let him hear. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Now let's go full, full circle. Right. So, so David is, is the true King, Mm -hmm. but we're waiting for a better David who's ultimately Christ. Well, when we proclaim Christ, it's like some people receive Him with joy, and other people they get like totally agitated about it. But it's the same proclamation that this is the true King, right? Harmful spirit, joyful spirit. Like, I don't know. It seems like a uh, you're they're living out that yeah First Samuel sixteen passage in real life. Well, I
0: don't know the address. You may know it, but it talks about how the gospel is a, a death stench to the dying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know that it, it's it is. Uh, it opposes something
1: inside of them yeah. that that yeah. they hate. Yep, yeah. So for some, it's it's the the essence of life, and for others, it exposes their own death to them. and They just don't like it, and they're mm. they're revolted by it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, that really helps put some of the hard things in this life into context. Yeah, and we even got into evangelism at the end. Yeah. So there you go. How does he always do it? <laughs> <laughs> that gospel keeps <laughs> elbowing his way in here. <laughs> Sean, thank you so much. This is, like you said, a very practical thing. I think can encourage any of us, especially if you've experienced hard things. Um, This can be, I I hope, an encouraging message. Absolutely. So, all right, listener. Until next time, we will uh, get you on the next episode. Bye.